Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. There are new developments in the Department of Justice's challenge to Texas's restrictive abortion law. Last week, a federal judge in Texas temporarily blocked enforcement of the law by issuing a preliminary injunction. Less than two days later, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals put a hold on that injunction, reinstating the law for now. In other news, former Trump campaign CEO Steve Bannon indicated he would defy the subpoena to testify before the House Select Committee that's investigating the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. And the Senate Judiciary Committee released a report revealing new details about former President Trump's efforts to pressure DOJ officials to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Preet Bharara and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So I guess, Joyce, this week, I guess we can start again with the saga of this abortion law in Texas, SB8. And it's valid. It's not valid. There are arguments back and forth. There are people who have sued an abortion provider. DOJ was noticeably absent at the beginning. DOJ filed its own complaint, as we've talked about, against the law. What, what, what the heck is going on and what should people know? Procedurally, it's so confusing. I know everybody remembers from our earlier conversation that we're not even talking about the merits of the lawsuit and whether or not the statute is constitutional yet. We're only talking about whether there should be a preliminary injunction. That means blocking the statute from going into effect while litigation over the merits is ongoing. So that's sort of the framing for where we are. We now have the ruling that you and I discussed last week from the district court, 113 pages that say this law, SB8, needs to be enjoined while everything else is going on. Then the defendant in that case, the state of Texas, runs to the Fifth Circuit, and they ask Texas very predictably to stop the injunction so that SB8 can go back into effect and people in Texas will no longer have the ability to get abortions. And that's what the Fifth Circuit does. They enter what's called an administrative stay, and essentially they put SB8 back into operation. They gave DOJ until 5 o'clock today to respond. This happened late Friday night. DOJ did not wait until late today to respond. They responded yesterday afternoon. They responded in the Fifth Circuit, and that's, I think, the interesting piece to focus on here. Because DOJ had the option of taking this decision about the injunction straight to the Supreme Court. They chose to stay in the Fifth Circuit. I don't have a very good crystal ball, but here's my guess about what's going on. DOJ wants to build a strong, formal record before this case gets to the Supreme Court. They've got this ironclad opinion from the district court. And when I say ironclad, it's for this reason— The decision about whether you get an injunction or not largely depends on whether you have a strong chance of success on the merits. Right now, Roe versus Wade is still the law in this country. States aren't entitled to interfere with pre-viability abortions, and that's what Texas has done. So that's a really strong case for getting an injunction to block that law from being in effect while litigation is ongoing 
DOJ now in the Fifth Circuit will have an opportunity to enhance that record, more support for the district court's decision, and perhaps as importantly, expose the weaknesses in the state's argument at this stage before the case ultimately heads on to the Supreme Court. You know, a couple of things interesting to me about Judge Pittman's decision. One is you know, the, the strength of the language, the power of the language. He said, among other things, that this law was, quote, an unprecedented and aggressive scheme to deprive its citizens of a significant and well-established constitutional right, end quote. He also makes a point that matches a theme that you and I have been talking about in multiple contexts here. And we'll talk about it again when we get to the subpoenas by the January 6th panel of the Congress. And that is, there are actions that need to be taken sometimes that some folks are loath to take because they're extraordinary or they're unusual. But sometimes you have to do that because the thing that you are responding to is itself exceptional or unprecedented or extraordinary. And here, Judge Pittman kind of acknowledges that there's a certain kind of case where, you know, the courts are loath to allow the federal government to file a certain kind of suit directly against a state. That's not the norm, right? And that's what's happening here. But Judge Pittman says that this case is exceptional, essentially, because of the design of the state law and its effect on the constitutional rights of women in Texas. So he's, you know, he's again echoing this point that you and I have been making, whether it's the 1-6 commission or it's the how you deal with COVID and mask mandates and vaccination mandates, or it's dealing with, you know, a very deliberate end run around a basic and longstanding constitutional right. Sometimes you got to take strong action that otherwise you wouldn't take right? Yeah, I think that's right. There's a really interesting thought exercise here. Abortion has become so politicized in our society that it's almost one of those issues that people just can't talk about anymore. And so I'm not sure that we're even a society that's capable of setting aside our personal deeply held views on the abortion issue. But that's really what you have to do here. You have to set aside those views And look at the rule of law issue here. How should our legal system work? We have principles around not meddling with clearly established rights before litigation is completed on their merits. And to make that concrete here, Roe versus Wade is the law. There are certain rights that exist. We want those rights to stay in place during this ongoing litigation. And look, the Supreme Court may well decide to to overrule Roe or to gut Roe this term in the Mississippi case. And once they do that, that would change the perspective here. But at least for now, we should have a legitimate rule of law process that looks at consistent process across issues. What we can't have is a special jurisprudence for abortion. And that, I fear, is what the Fifth Circuit and Supreme Court have come perilously close to in these proceedings. So, Joyce, as you point out, Judge Pittman wrote this 113-page opinion, which, you know, you and I agree with. That, and, and some folks who were against SB8 were celebratory about that. Then the Fifth Circuit, which is the appeals court that includes Texas and a number of other states, put the kibosh on that. And so we're back to the situation we were in before, that SB8 is still operative not that it's not that it's particularly relevant, but you know one of the judges that gets attention on that Fifth Circuit panel is a judge by the name of Jim Ho, and you know I know him, or at least I used to know him fairly well. When I was chief counsel to Senator Schumer, 
He was my counterpart and chief counsel to Senator Cornyn of Texas. I used to be, I no, no longer am, but used to be on his Christmas card list. And you know what the front of his Christmas card said every year? What did it say? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to love somebody with a sense of humor like that. Are we going to be canceled because we're talking favorably about a guy who hates abortion? Well, you know, this is an interesting panel on the Fifth Circuit. And if people want to cancel us for having friends who are on the other side of the political spectrum, then I'm afraid they're going to have to have at it because I live in Alabama, which means a lot of my friends are conservative. I think it's important to have friends that you disagree with and can have respectful conversations with. I wonder how that will play out on this Fifth Circuit panel where you've got Judge Ho, who's a Trump appointee. One of the other judges is a Bush appointee. And then you've got a Clinton appointee, the final judge on the panel. So that'll be some interesting internal conversation going on. You know, can I ask you a question that you mentioned, which presidents appointed which judges? You know, some people don't like that. John Roberts issued a statement about that not too long ago, saying there are no Democratic or Republican judges. They're just judges. And I understand the impulse behind that. And I understand the impulse against sort of, you know, quantifying and evaluating every judge particularly at the circuit level, based on which president appointed them, as if you can predict everything that they are going to do. Does it bother you to the same extent it bothers John Roberts and others, that people reduce judges to the presidents who appointed them? Or is that just necessary and, you know, common sense? You know, it used to bother me a whole lot to the point that I simply would not engage in that regard at all. And then during the Trump administration, that became more of an issue. And I actually know the judge that prompted the chief justice to make that statement. It's a federal judge in in Berkeley, John Tiger, who was uh, one of my father-in-law's last law clerks. And he had made a ruling that prompted that sort of outbreak of commentary from the former president. And this almost worked in a weird, perverse, reverse fashion where you felt the need to point out that Trump-appointed judges or Republican-appointed judges were ruling against Trump in some of these cases. And I regret that whole scenario. I mean, you know, this is one of those norms that really got busted in the Trump era because you know, Preet, probably better than I know, that judges, especially Court of Appeals judges— don't really hew a political line once they get on the bench. They call the balls and the strikes. There are these highly politicized issues like voting rights and abortion, where judges tend to vote more in in line with the beliefs of the party that appointed them. But judges can do some really interesting things once they're on the bench. You don't have to look any further than the Supreme Court and Justice Kennedy to understand that. You know, we keep covering this issue of SB8 in Texas, and we will cover the Mississippi law. Explain to people what's going to happen in the immediate future with respect to the Texas law, though. So abortion issues aren't going anyplace. The Fifth Circuit should issue a ruling on the injunction. The party that loses will then take an appeal to the Supreme Court. Whether we will get another shadow docket decision or whether the court will, you know, do something akin to setting the schedule to hear the Texas case alongside the Mississippi case is still up for grabs. I tend to think that that won't happen just because of timing. The Mississippi case is argued on December 1st in front of the Supreme Court. 
it would be hard to complete briefing on the Texas case to work with that date. So in some sense, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But the the takeaway is this Texas case isn't going anywhere. It's going to be on the front burner for the next few weeks. So we'll keep talking about the Texas law and the Mississippi law. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it through December 1st and for many weeks after December 1st as well. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. That's cafe.com slash insider. And to the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.